0: Hi, y'all. This is Carrie. Just coming in really quick before the episode to let you know that we had some audio and technical difficulties, but um, we hope that it's not too distracting and that you enjoy this very special episode with our very special friend. Thanks. Bye.
1: hi everyone and welcome to the comics deserve better podcast where we talk about the world of independent comics thank you all for coming in and listening to us on this lovely day or evening i don't know when you're listening but hopefully it is a lovely day or evening i am here as always <laughs> joined by carrie and richard hey Hello. and give me a coke <laughs> special guest mr andrew levins hi everybody thanks for having me back oh yeah thank you you again for coming back this is this is a new lineup for you so but uh but yeah it's been a little while and i actually want you probably back on again very soon because it's, it's always it's always fun to have you on you know like,
2: happy happy to be on you just we were, have to keep
1: multiplying i expect yeah. new hosts every every time i come on okay we'll do definitely we'll we'll, we'll put a, a headphone on my dog and we'll have we'll have him
0: <laughs> yeah because we've run out of friends
1: yeah exactly. <laughs> we're through our i'm friends down to dogs too. i'm so sorry uh all right well we do have a great episode and actually a pretty lengthy episode so we better i guess we should get started here um we're going to be talking actually about the uh their love rockets um maggie the mechanic by jaime hernandez for fantagraphics but uh before that we'll go ahead and go through our re- regular parts of our show which i just totally lost my words there for a second uh and the first thing is uh diy corner where we talk about comics doing it themselves to get themselves funded and uh, you know do it the old punk rock way essentially and we got one um we got actually it's, it's a uh, it's two books it's oh the things w- you won't know and phantom of eternia double whammy reprint is what this is uh so this is from kelly phillips uh these are two comics that, that she has made um, and the whole purpose of this is so that her books that she has made will not go out of print um, she <laughs> wants to make sure that uh these are still accessible um been reading the what, what each of these books are about and actually they actually look wonderful uh they're both 48 pages long even though she calls them mini comics so there's two stories uh there's there's going to be um, other things you won't know and the phantom of eternia uh the uh oh things you won't know is essentially the a, a parody of the oh the places you will go from dr seuss uh but it's um but according to kelly it is inspired by the perennial favorite from dr seuss which is tip Typically meant to inspire greatness in, in recent graduates. This parody comic provides a cautionary tale for those who may be entering college or any other questionable phases in their life. So it basically follows like a night of debauchery from uh from the the uh, main character's perspective. And nice. and then the next one, this is one where really hooked me because I am a big skeletor fan. So this is the fan of the turnia. Essentially, um, here I'll actually just read the, uh, the description again, it's pretty good It's, uh, the great city of Philadelphia Is home to many unique uh, a- Oddities, including the karaoke Gong show hosted by the overlord Of evil himself, Skeletor d- uh, Displease your host And you'll be gonged before your song Is through, upon my own Emergence onto this d- dastardly Stage, I found myself In the clutches of Skeletor's unshifting Musical gaze, and in Much the same predicament that befell the heroine of the phantom of the opera enclosed is my tale of my fate so <laughs> um, one's very uh the dr seuss one obviously is, is well colored and kind of bright and vibrant this one's black and white it actually has a very manga feel to it uh and yeah um being tormented by a karaoke host that is actually also a skeletor sounds pretty awesome to me <laughs> and it's and a I'll, true
2: story i'm sure i'm sure <laughs> right?
1: definitely um uh basically uh, some of the rewards is that uh, you have the option to pick up some more some more comics that she's made uh one is a is a biography uh, comic of when she was the webmaster for weird al's uh website in the early 2000s and it's called weird me and there's a bunch of uh, kind of cat person um uh, comics as well um and Um, What actually kind of got me, because if if you've been listening to the show at all, I love puns, and she has a bunch of dinosaur pun stickers, like um, T-Rex, and it's a Tyrannosaurus Rex having a a spot of tea. So stuff like that (laughs) (laughs) always uh, makes me want to get it. So it looks like a lot of fun. Um, Definitely, um, uh, we'll have the link as always. Uh, Definitely check it out. Um, This is not on Kickstarter. It's not getting a lot of, of hype and um they're only at like 40 percent of the goal and there's 16 days left so just you know if you, if you have a chance if you have the means please uh donate if it looks interesting to you
3: very cool
2: Can i give a shout out to a, a diy comic i'm a fan of
1: sure yeah Absolutely. that's definitely
2: um, so this, is actually not, this one isn't actually a comic, but uh, he has done many comics in the past. In fact, he and I used to make comics together when we were teenagers. Mm-hmm. Um, his name is John Valenzuela, and he is Good. the uh, co-host of my podcast, All the Small Games.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, he
2: used to, for about 10 years, he wrote a, a, a zine full of comics called The Tilted Page. But he just released his first scene in ages, um, and it's called Ad Break. And what it is, is a bunch of scripts that he's written for fake advertisements um and they are for like like you know cars and and they'll be for like you know like like tv shows that don't exist movies starring celebrities that are real but the movies are not um it's really really funny um and uh, john's a a very great writer and uh brian if you like puns you'll definitely enjoy john's writing yeah Um, (laughs) he's he's selling it via his um social media he's he's at 16 tacos Uh, on instagram and twitter if you want to hit him up there he will send you a copy of his zine called ad break it's really good i will
1: i will put that information in the uh, other notes as well definitely he and i he and i used
2: to used to make a comic together called sandwiches we made like four issues he's and he did all like the actual grunt work Um, like all of the like the photocopying and stapling and he would literally be like hey I need you know the the zine fair that we're at is this weekend the only person who hasn't submitted comics is you Um, can I come over to your house and make sure you don't do anything except finish the (laughs) comics you said you were going to make nice Uh, so yeah he he is genuine
4: disapprovingly (laughs) yeah yeah he's
2: he's genuine he would like to the point where I would be like doing the inks over the pencils and then I would give it to him and he would erase all of the pencil um oh. as I was finishing. yeah yeah like it, it, genuinely responsible for almost every comic I ever made when I was a kid. <laughs> oh, yeah. cool.
0: Good friend yeah. like seriously yeah. good friend.
2: Me not not a good friend. Horrible no, no, no,
0: no. I was that compliment was not towards you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well
1: I am I am as 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 Lovin's knows I am a fan of all the small games and I do appreciate uh john's punsitude that he has so mm-hmm. i can definitely nice. i'm very he's a dad now yeah. so he's yes. finally putting
2: those puns to good use yes, right. exactly. he's finally legally allowed to actually make puns. <laughs> yeah, that's, <laughs> that's why you
1: released the zine because he actually could have the puns being really <laughs> yeah. legal. all right um all right well perfect i will go ahead and add that as well to our uh, diy corner list on our notes so please check out both yeah. definitely um all right well we're going to go ahead go into our spotlights and um, you know what, uh, Richard? Because you put something in here that I'm excited to read, I want you to go first.
4: <laughs> oh well, now I don't know if you're excited about it. I don't want to share.
1: Oh, fine, <laughs> fine, fine, fine. Karen, do you want to go? <laughs> no.
4: <laughs> oh Lord. So this week, I took a look at a new book that just dropped from Image called the least we can do. So the (laughs) book, uh, excuse me, it's by Alonza Zanfardino and Elisa Rambali. So our story opens up with a a hooded character doing a heist. Uh, We see uh, this person, I guess we can tell it's a woman, but she steals a jewel out of a sword. And then she's basically at a bazaar and she's acting really sketchy. She's trying to pump people for information, but she doesn't seem like she belongs. So no one wants to give her information. And then finally we see some soldiers show up and they're just kind of like roughing up the the citizenry. And someone, one of the soldiers, someone throws a uh, uh, carving knife at the soldiers and it's going to miss them and like hit some innocent bystanders. And then some cloaked people use a little magic and they kind of, you know, just telekinetically place it down so no one gets injured. And now that we know, our character, our main character knows that she found what she's looking for. <laughs> so huh. she pesters um, one of the booths to be like, hey, I saw those people. Like, let me talk to them. Let me talk to them. And they're like, look, man, we don't really trust you, but fine. And basically a Doctor Who style elevator or telephone booth. Pops up out the ground, and then you know it's basically an elevator that takes her underground. So what we find out that this uh, this uh, story is taking place in uh, in England in the United Kingdom, and they were the United Kingdom was devastated by war until they found something called the Medium, and basically it's like these little artifacts. They look like they look like jewels, but they give people powers. And, you know, each one gives people different powers. And basically everyone got the jewels and they started helping each other out. Then a group called the Eden Army showed up. They took all the jewels and, you know, basically started a dictatorship. And it's been hell for basically the basic citizenry ever since. Mm -hmm. So we find out that our main character's name is Uriel. And she's actually uh, telling everybody in this um, underground bunker, she's like, so what I want to do is I want to take these jewels and I just kind of want to use them for good. Like we can build the society that we want is if we get, we amass all these jewels and then we use these powers for good to help people instead of evil, like the, uh, the Eden army uses it. And, you know, so many of the people, you know, they're, they're you know, they're skeptical because these are all warriors. They fight against the Eden army to protect, you know, the regular citizens. But the leader of the group, he's actually like, no, like you're a visionary. We need people like you. Because the idea is that to have revolution forever is to hopefully at some point have peace. So he wants her to work on it. And he puts her with the crew. The leader of the crew's name is Samael. And Samael's like, no, every time you try to give us a, a fourth member, they always die. This girl's weak. And basically they're like, well, no, you have to take her on. And then they bring the young lady, Uriel, to the library where she's like, they're like, study. You figure out. We want you to head up, like, our division of, like, what we're going to do after these battles. How ah, We're going to fix this world. And then we have a flashback of her that she, her family is actually from, like, they're bigwigs in the Eden Army. And basically she's she was trying to preach peace to them. And, like, basically her dad roughed her up for doing so. So <laughs> that's basically where we end, that she's just in here studying. But she's going to be the catalyst to make the world better. Oh so yeah, really cool art, really evocative colors. Um, I think it's uh, the artist that did a, a thing called Truth recently.
2: Mm-hmm.
4: But yeah, it's really really pretty, and just
1: just came it's out the same. Just, too wasn't
2: it? Oh
4: oh yes it, yeah, it's, oh my bad yes yeah, the whole same creative team.
1: So they're a couple, and they're they're, oh, they? they're Italian. Yes, and um, they also did Alice in Leatherland, which I absolutely. Oh loved. okay. Um, and so this actually sounds really interesting because um, because the other books are kind of like in reality. And this is kind of cool that they're kind of taking a, a fantasy slant to to their storytelling. Very no, cool. But
4: definitely, I, I really liked it. Um, really, really fun read. The only thing that like when I got to the end of the first issue, it was kind of abrupt. Like it doesn't leave you on an a cliffhanger. It's just like it's very much all set up. But no, I definitely set up a world that I want to learn more about. So I'm I'm ready for issue two.
1: It sounds really good. I'm glad. I'm getting my books uh, probably tomorrow. So I'll definitely be reading that right away. All right. Well, Levins, since you are a guest, would you mind going next?
2: Yeah. So um, we're talking about a a regular comic from America um, as the main, main topic of discussion today. So I have no guilt. In uh, in talking about a manga yet again on, on this podcast, we are, we are um, a manga-friendly
1: podcast, so no worries, no worries at all.
2: Uh, no, uh, yeah, I wasn't sure to was talk about uh, until we sat down to record today because um, as uh, just before I, I, I joined you in the the Zoom session, uh, Carrie and Richard were talking about uh, superstitions and ghosts and what they do and don't believe in. And uh, that reminded me of a series that I'm about halfway through at the moment called Dandadan, which is a, uh, a manga series uh, that's being uh, written and illustrated by Yukinobu Tatsu, who actually used to work um, with uh, the mangaka behind Chainsaw Man um, for oh, cool. years, and now this is him going out on his own, making his own series. Um, it's on Shonen Jump Plus, which uh, is like a, a, a digital um, offering in Japan, but you can read the entire thing for free. Uh, using the manga plus app uh, which you can get through cool. the app store it's also if you have a, a shonen jump membership um, which is like two bucks a month uh you can log into the viz website and read it all for uh for, for your membership uh fee in there too um so it's really easy to uh to read all of this if you live uh outside of japan um and uh the reason I brought it up is because it is a book about superstitions. Um, you have two main characters. They are high school students. Uh, Momo Ayase, who is a uh, a girl who believes in ghosts and the supernatural, but does not believe in aliens. <laughs> and then we have uh, Ken um, Takakura, who is a, like a, like a kind of a, a dorkier um, high school boy who, um, who does not believe in ghosts, but does passionately believe about aliens and uh the huge problem is that they're actually both right um aliens and uh supernatural beings uh, both exist and this uh series is about them dealing with both and, uh, it's really insanely funny uh in the first uh chapter um Kevin's dick gets stolen by a, a ghost <laughs> Um, and uh, they end up yeah he he end up ends up cursed with supernatural powers and she ends up cursed with uh, alien powers um, and uh, the whole it, it's like you know it's, it's still kind of a high school uh, drama with these incredibly insane uh, fights and, and just scenarios that the two characters are to- constantly getting themselves into it doesn't shy away from being like extremely awkward high school like you know relationships and sex um but also tying that into the supernatural and and uh and and sci-fi stuff too it rules the arts really chaotic and uh and action-packed uh it's a it's a really great series and i think a lot of people would have would've been would have been caught up on chainsaw man and desperately looking for something uh that will have scratch a similar itch and while this tone wise is pretty different i think uh the kind of insane content it covers will give you those chainsaw man feelings that you're looking for
0: it looks Ooh. really good and i love the line hold it occult boy i'm gonna <laughs> yell that at somebody because that's just
1: super <laughs> fucking cool yeah. it, looks, yeah, it looks really good I, I like it i like the uh the, the uh the artwork looks really good too so um and i'm always I, I have not read a batshit crazy like manga in a very long time so this just sounds like something i gotta check out
2: yeah, it's exclusively all I do. I think last time I came on, I talked about a new Shonen Jump series which got cancelled like three weeks after we recorded. <laughs> um, but uh, but since then, I've I I am now up to date on every single Shonen Jump series currently really? being published.
3: That's- oh wow!
2: Which is a, a like a feat that is not that impressive to anyone I know, but uh, oh. I, I'm
4: no, very you, proud of myself for stick, doing it. That man. That, <laughs> that comes out once a week and it stick. I'm
1: impressed. And you and and, you got you got like one piece. You got Dragon Ball that have been going on since the dawn of time. I mean, I mean, do you yeah. not sleep?
2: <laughs> I, this is what I do before I sleep.
1: But yeah, sometimes I do it instead of sleeping too. Yeah,
0: yeah. Fair <laughs> enough. Fair
1: enough. Yeah, that's pretty awesome. I, if I do say so myself. Yeah. There's a lot of really
2: good uh, newer um, Shonen Jump series that are, like, you know, beyond just, like, you know, two, two muscly guys beating the shit out of each other. Um, there's a really great one about a, um, like, Japanese theatre called um, Akane Banashi, which I would highly recommend uh, you guys uh, deep diving for an episode because I think it's, like, a really, really unique but still, like, very... Um, approachable for anyone um, even if you have no idea about Japanese theater which I, I dare say all of us uh, probably fall into that category um, sure. it, it, it does a really great of ushering you into this kind of genre of, of, of entertainment and making you care about it and the, the stakes are really fun uh Shonen Jump Rules at the moment there's lots of good series nice. plenty of awful ones too but two of them <laughs> ended in the last month so I feel pretty great <laughs> <laughs> well I, I, awesome. I did
1: learn a lot about no theater like in college so like I, I'm always excited to Check this out. is called, so, it This is
2: rakugo, which is the, oh right. okay, the, I, yeah, theater performed by one person. Yeah, I definitely nice.
1: don't know anything about that, so that's perfect. That's awesome, and and maybe that's what we'll have you on again for <laughs> uh, in the near future. Uh, well, I reckon it's fun. a it's a
2: lot easier to burn through every uh, every chapter of um, of Akane Banashi than it would be to read just the one volume of uh, Love and Rockets we've read for uh, this episode. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. it kind of starts out a little slow. Um, Uh, All
1: right, well, I guess we'll we'll go ahead and go to um, our next spotlight. Kara, do you want to go last or do you want me to go last?
0: I was thinking about that. It's up to you.
1: Well, I guess I'll go. I'll go first then. Um, yeah, yeah, do. yeah. No, no problem at all. I have um, actually another another kind of horror related book, uh, "The Boogeyman Number One" by by Matthew Selvia uh, Jet and Nathan Kemp from A Blaze Comics. This is a story. So it's sort of a, a young boy named Elliot um, who is kind of afraid to go to sleep at night. Um, he's actually studying books about boogeymen because he. Knows that a boogeyman lives in his basement, and he also hears a dog at night going through the um, through the walls. And so the parents, you know, like the dad comes in, catches them reading, saying, "Oh, you're you're in trouble. You know, like you, you know, like you need to go to bed, and like you don't need to read about this stuff because it's not real." Well, of course, it's a comic and it's a horror comic. So what do you expect? Uh, <laughs> and um meanwhile there's a kind of like a, a witch woman um who goes by the name of grandma who's outside who who borrows a host which is this man um and then takes the man inside or basically has the man ring the doorbell of the house and then break in and then murder the the parents and after this happens elliot the boy um You know, I don't think he heard any commotions, but then he kind of comes down to check to see what what happened. He sees his dead parents. He's he then sees, um, not the killer, but he sees this old man who is, um, who's basically the, you know, the boogeyman of the house as well as the the boogeyman's dog. And in basically, he kind of like skirts away. Um, the, the boogeyman, um, confronts the grandma and base and she's like oh i didn't know there was so, there was another boogeyman in this house or i wouldn't have attacked it but you know since we're already here you know let us you know get the boy because now the the killer is going after the boy and um and the the um the boogeyman that, that lived in the house uh you find out his name is actually father death and he's oh, he's hundreds and hundreds of years old he's kind of a legend among other boogeymen but he had oh. disappeared." from like you know from boogeyman society over the last few like hundred years as well so um everyone thought he was dead and he basically goes no you're in my house you can't you're you're not killing this kid and um and get out essentially so the grandma leaves the the uh the killer still in the house um and the boogeyman basically kind of like does like a, a mind well, um, meld with him and basically tells him that the the boy has run outside and they go get the boy because he's now outside. So the, the killer runs out and then the boogeyman confronts Elliot and goes, do you know who I am? And he's like, yes, I do. Um, and he goes, well, you need to listen to me and follow me and we'll get you out of here alive. And so, um so essentially um and then meanwhile his dog is kind of looking at him like what the fuck are you doing because like, we're <laughs> boogeymen like, like like we're not supposed to be helping these people and then uh, the and and uh father death is like you know what don't don't judge me like like we, like I, i'll do what i want to do you can't tell me what to do essentially and so he's helping out the uh the kid meanwhile grandma's called other boogeymen to come and to fuck uh you, to Grandma. take the kid and to fight uh so basically fight father death because he's a, a very old and, and strong entity and uh i won't get into much more but uh, it ends on a cliffhanger uh this issue just came out last week uh so we got about a month to find out what happens but sounds pretty good it looks pretty good the colors are really nice uh very dark and, and brooding the uh the way that the boogeymen are done are, are like scratchy so and with red eyes so it's a very kind of cool ethereal feel to the uh to the comic
0: wait so i have a question So you said grandma correct
1: yes evil grandma she's 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 an evil like a boogeyman as well
0: oh man this and hits home she
1: has she has um a, a body of a spider
0: i think just to go off on a tangent
1: sorry okay. sorry Levin. <laughs> sorry richard because i don't care
0: about what anybody believes in right except if you're super like far-right christian events evangelical like prosperity can, doctrine bullshit. Just a dick. You could just yeah. Sum that like that. does I have being issues with. <laughs> But like, I think one of the saddest possibilities of life is to think that you are completely like once you die, you're just fucking dead. Like you're nothing, right? Like, um, and I understand that. Like, that's some people's belief system but for me personally and I think because of like my anxiety I need to hold on to something so that way death doesn't seem so scary and I, and I understand that this may be just like some kind of fucking fairy tale that we get fed and like whatever like some of us believe it some of us don't but I find the other like fringe bullshit just so completely fascinating I just I I love I love spooky I'm a big old like Scaredy Cat. I I don't do well being scared, but I love Spooky. I love Spooky. No, it's, it's
4: super fun.
0: It's yeah. great.
4: And this book would be definitely I something loved, to
1: check out.
0: Uh, yeah, I'm re- I actually I'm looking, I'm peeking over your shoulder how I read most comics. And um, <laughs> yeah, it's it's cute. I like the artwork. I mean, it's yeah. not cute, cute, but you know, I like it. It's yeah. pleasing to the eye.
1: Yeah, the and the grandma basically is like, like an old lady on top and a, a big old spider on the bottom, which is very much like Japanese horror as well you know like when it, you know so they
4: do love their half spider ladies
1: yes they do cool (laughs) so all right well um so that's my my spotlight so carrie
0: um so my spotlight for today is uh tentacle kitty because you guys destroyed me last week with stray dogs i had to read something very light (laughs) and very cute because stray dogs killed me okay um So Tentacle Kitty Tales Around the Teacup is by John Merritt and Raina Merritt and John Claudio Vinci. Um, It's from Dark Horse. And essentially, it is about a, um, looks like a young adult uh, person named Violet. And she is on a spaceship with um, Tentacle Kitty known as TK, which is like her personal like little pet. Um, Pirate Kitty ninja kitty and then um like a fastidious old-timey english kitty and they're on um they're on the spaceship and they're essentially looking for like the perfect tea they find it um uh, is a a whale that they are chasing leviah goes um out of orbit they're on their spaceship and they're waiting to like kind of get back into leviah's orbit So that way they can go try to get this tea again. And so um, they, it's buttered tea and it's considered like a delicacy. So they um, make a cup of it or make a pot of it, excuse me. And they're all around the little table. And so little kitties are looking for tentacle kitty. And they're like, oh, you know, they're supposed to be here for tea time. And um, you find out that tentacle kitty is actually underneath the table eating scones, the reason this is important is because when tentacle kitty comes up uh tk will start um starts talking about how like the tea and the scones aren't that great or aren't that special and so much to like the chagrin of the group and then tk is like oh it's not as good as green mice and so then the book um delves into like three different stories and each story is told from the perspective of one of the kitties tk t- talks about cotton candy green mice and the adventure regarding that and then violet says oh the, i don't remember the story that way and then she talks about the same mice but an in, a zombie infestation at like a comic-con that she's cosplaying at and then um pirate kitty is like oh you're talking about you know cosplaying well i remember this and so talk um and you, you know, you didn't get the one thing you went to Comic-Con for. So then uh Pirate Kitty starts talking about like, you know, basically um what's the the whale? A Moby the, Dick. Yeah, like a Moby Dick type whale. Ooh. And so um it's actually really cute because all the stories kind of like uh kind of flow into each other, but they're all from the different perspectives of the one character. And so when you look at the art style, like the, little, the character who's telling the story is like the main person or the main character and then their character is much more grandiose. They're doing a lot more different things like they're they're bigger, they're stronger they're like saving the day and so you know it's like like any good tall tale a lot of it's exaggerated. And so um, it just all of it's very fantastical. It's really cute. the art is great. Um, the coloring's phenomenal and it's just a nice little palette cleanser. And um, you never get to Pirate Kitty's story and Pirate Kitty's about, um, I'm sorry, not Pirate Kitty, Ninja Kitty. Ninja Kitty is gonna say like, oh, I was about to tell everybody my my real name and then they break out into a mission like because now they have to go uh, find Leviya and try to go get some more tea and go <laughs> battle. So that's where the book ends. And it's just it's really sweet um and i just, all the
4: tentacle kitties are super adorable yeah
0: they're just amazing like i just i really love it and um they all kind of talk in like the kind of speech patterns that you would assume for an like a like ninja kitty speaks very quietly for like like whispering because they're a ninja and then uh pirate kitty's like yar and stuff and, <laughs> and the old-timey fastidious one is like ye old whatever whatever so <laughs> yeah it's really cute i just had a good time reading it so fuck you guys for making me read stray
1: dogs <laughs> is what i'm trying to say that was really bad Love i cried read a lot have you read stray dogs no I don't. who's that by oh um,
3: god. oh
1: um it is actually uh two people who worked on the my little pony comic for this only
4: fleece and trish
1: yeah, It's
0: so good, but it was so heartbreaking. It's, it's
1: beautiful, like almost Disney like animation style um artwork about dogs, but it's about a serial killer who collects dogs as trophies. Oh man. So, yeah. And so it's really dark. <laughs> and unfortunately. I saw Levins wince. Yeah. And then unfortunately, obviously, since it's a serial killer and dogs, um, you can imagine what happens in the middle of the story to some of the dogs. So um, so yeah, it gets it gets. Never graphic on screen or on on page, I guess. But you know the just most
4: of the gore is implied. But yeah, you know exactly what went down. And if you have any
1: empathy for any type of animal or person, yeah, it's it it gets kind of it gets kind of rough. But it's a really good book. But it's it just gets rough. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, rough. No pun intended. (laughs) No pun intended. Yes. See, I'm so good at puns, I don't even realize when I make them. Oh boy. all right okay um well uh, i think that's all for our spotlights yeah. then so i guess we're going to go ahead and jump into our main topic which is um maggie the mechanic uh the love and rockets library locust book one by jaime hernandez from uh Fantagraphics. and this was my choice um i've been wanting to read uh love and rockets for a very long time um, I know that um, that Levins you've read the entire series and that's mm-hmm. actually one of the big reasons why I wanted you on here because I know that us three have not read this and this is like this is like the granddaddy uh, of like comics of like indie comics like this in, this comic is like kind of what sets the, the, the feel and the stage for many indie comics to come like Oni Press like a lot of Dark Horse stuff wouldn't be that <laughs> if it wasn't for Love and Rockets yeah I feel um, like you know
2: gro- growing up fan of graphics for me was that was my DC and Marvel all I did was read like Dan Klaus and even Robert Crumb that mm-hmm. side of you know outsider comics was always so appealing to me and Love and Rockets I just knew is like this like seemingly endless series where some of the covers <laughs> had women with like enormous boobs and yeah. uh, uh, her name is her name is Luba and uh, I was so, I was like, I know I want to read that, but I don't, I don't, I don't want to get like weird looks. I don't know if, if I'm the, the, the com- yeah, Exactly, yeah, yeah. Um, even though there was, you know, plenty of big boobs in, uh, in in Robert Crumb and Dan Klaus's comics at the time too, but they just, they just <laughs> didn't put them on the cover. <laughs> no. Um, no. But yeah, no, uh, no. I, I read Love and Rockets maybe uh, like like eight years ago. Um, and once I started, like once I peeled that bandaid off, like the, it, it is a little bit slow to start. Because you are watch, you are reading two brothers, and we'll get into what this comic is in a moment. But to anyone who is like, you know, considering it, but that sees it as such a, um, you know, massive run to to properly devour, like when when it starts, if you do want to do like completionists and read it from the start, which I mean, you all have now that you've started with um, Maggie the Mechanic. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Jaime Hernandez was like very early twenties when he was writing this book, and I think it shows.
0: Oh um, yeah, um, okay. So he
2: he gets older as the characters do, because what's amazing about Love and Rockets is that um, Jaime and Gilbert Hernandez, who uh, who started the, the comic together, there is a third brother who who tapped out after a, a couple couple of volumes, but um, they they write their characters in real time. They're still writing the same characters in the same setting um in Love and Rockets that they were in the very early 80s, um, even today in
1: 2022. That's nice. amazing. I was gonna
4: say um reading this uh, this volume, you could tell that you know how you're saying Brian that like this is like the 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 granddaddy or maybe grandmama of like indie books. But mm-hmm. it's so many times it just feels like a series of zines. Like yeah. <laughs> I was just like oh yeah no no I totally could see that this was just one zine and you could pick it up or you know one little segment but it feels so much like a series of zines but it's all interconnected but sometimes the connections are very tenuous and like Mm -hmm. later on like 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 three or four chapters later then it's like oh no no that thing that you thought wasn't really connecting here here's the the big connection
2: or whatever yeah it Mm -hmm. stops feeling like that pretty quickly in fact like I, I I I stupidly thought we were just talking about Love and Rockets as a whole, and I was like, "Oh my god, have, have, has everyone in this podcast read all of Love and Rockets?" And <laughs> it wasn't until it wasn't until this week that I realized you were all starting with Maggie the Mechanic, and that was the kind of jumping-off point for this episode, which you know obviously is a much more reasonable expectation. Um, uh, it's 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 an immense block of work to try and get through for one one hour podcast, but yeah. uh, the I think the only reason I got through it as quickly as I did is I was on on tour. Um, with a bunch of 90s like 90s pop acts and i did not did not want to hang out with them because uh, uh, nothing is more depressing than hanging out with washed up uh 90s pop acts so i would just like (laughs) play this show run back to my hotel room or you know ignore everyone on the flight and just disappear into into love and rockets (laughs) but i if were i to um like live this week again i would have written to you all and said hey in my opinion Love and Rockets. This 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 volume of Love and Rockets doesn't become Love and Rockets until like page two hundred and forty,
3: mm-hmm.
2: which so this is a page. This is a two hundred and seventy page long, um, uh, volume of, of of Love and Rockets. And yeah, I I I really don't think it it resembles anything that I recognize from what Love and Rockets eventually becomes. And this is just Jaime's side of Love and Rockets. Yeah. Love and Rockets is a is a collaborative and always was like a magazine with um. You know little short stories from each brother that then then form together to, to, to create a bigger whole um but yeah there's a there's a, on, on page 240 there is um uh, a really iconic and i think i have the the single issue of this exact um story um okay. from from 1984 to 1985 is when this one was written the bulk of this book is in 1982 1983 which would have which would place jaime hernandez at about 22 years old when he was writing it um so yeah lo- just learning not even learning about how to become a cartoonist but learning about comics in general i think he is at that point point. and then if you look at like what a difference in his not just his art like I think the art is like strikingly different from like the beginning of this book to the end of it mm-hmm. and when you consider it only spans three years three or four years um the not just the art but his layouts and most importantly the structure of his comics and how easy they are to read by the end of it compared to how yes. insanely dense they are at the beginning like I, I i i have a real problem with a lot of i feel like it peaked in the 80s where like cartoonists and writers comic book writers just couldn't shut the fuck up and yeah, yeah. Even, it even was though like- you literally have the easiest medium to show instead of tell, they just couldn't help but tell. That's why I hate, I hate Chris Claremont. For, for all, all the good he did uh, in terms of plot and character, I just, I hate his dialogue so much. You have to
4: power through like the first seven years of his X-Men run before he starts to let up. Like I yes, read right exactly. the whole X Men run, but like, oh yeah, no, those early. And the thing is, is that some some of those books are fantastic. Those some of those early books are really good, but oh, it's a slog. It's a slog.
2: Yeah. And unfortunately, I would describe Maggie the Mechanic as as quite a big slog. So did you all manage to finish it? Yes. 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 Well, but it was a well slog. done team. I'm very <laughs> proud of you. So <laughs> so
1: um <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's funny that you say that because like, well, one, I have like really bad eyesight um and 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 also um i, I oh, think because I about- the lettering i don't that's the yeah. biggest
2: the biggest difference from the start to the beginning yeah the opening comics are fucked the lettering is so hard to uh to read I, and then yeah it becomes much it, easier as it yeah, progresses yeah, exactly i feel so for your like, eyes man i'm sorry <laughs>
1: so, not, so, so not only the pacing was kind of was kind of hard but then it was also kind of hard for me to read um so like it literally took me like two days not obviously not like continuous reading but it took me two days to get to about a third away of the book and then I actually switched to the um the guided view on uh digital and that made everything so much easier because like each panel was there right in my face I could easily see and read everything and I got through the last 66% like like in like three hours <laughs> or two hours which is good once what once you get
4: past mechanics which mechanics yes. is very fun and interesting but my god mechanics is like well, it's an yeah. endurance race it's an endurance race so yeah, race. <laughs> so, yeah
2: me- mechanics is what jaime hernandez wrote for love and rockets in his part of the of the of the books yep. and it is like this weird sci fi wrestling I, you're never really sure which part of like the world it's set in it's like or it, oh it, no, it no, no, this one makes, makes
4: no sense it makes no sense i kind of yeah. love it but it makes no sense
2: yeah, yeah. Like, so i was like i reread it I, I i picked it up and i was like oh, I'll, I'll thumb through as much of this as i can because like you know i haven't read it mm-hmm. for quite a few years i ended up reading the full thing um nice. i because I, I just have such a fondness for it and i was able to like glaze over the way more text heavy bits there's a there's a very long i feel like it's almost like 80 page long uh diary section where you have yep. letters from that's, maggie to mechanics, mechanics
3: one yeah and
2: uh but yeah, I mean, it, it does keep the mechanics. The storyline does continue, but it right, right. But the, the
4: mechanics of, one, that first part is where course, the yeah, whole yeah. diary thing, and it's like, whoa, this, yeah. this is a mm-hmm. lot.
2: <laughs> and so, even though the characters in those um, early strips are they, they are still the main characters of Love and Rockets, the the what they do in those comics, that's nothing like what Love and Rockets is now. Exactly. Um, it, it Love and Rockets is very much like almost entirely set in California following like a bunch of like, because they grow up, you know, you see a bunch of girls following some young punk bands um, as teenagers. um, And uh, they live in like a a predominantly Mexican neighborhood. So there is like um, an incident, like, you know, some characters die due to street violence. um, And it, it feels like very real and grounded. And I forgot how completely opposite to that, this comic feels like when it starts. And I think that kind of speaks to Jaime Hernandez finding himself through writing a comic yeah. um, to make it about me for a second. Um, I, I, I'm, a, I'm a DJ and a lot of people ask me like, you know, how did, how did I learn? And I, I didn't know how to DJ when I started getting paid to DJ. So I would go to a club and people would pay me an hourly rate to learn. And I feel like that's what I'm in, is, I'm in a much more talented fashion than I was doing in, in my dumbass teenager years. But, yeah, he is he is learning about comics as he writes them and releases them. Um, and, you know, as opposed to, like, the writer of Dundedun, Dun, uh, the comic I wrote, talked about earlier, who worked beneath someone for years before heading out on their own. I feel like the, the the true spirit of what it is to be a uh, an indie comic creator is evident in the works that Gilbert and Jaime Hernandez were releasing through Love and Rockets in those early years.
0: What yeah? What I love about this is that especially being, I think we discovered that they're from where I'm from. Yeah so um oxnard
3: it, <laughs> oxnard
0: yep. so it's a heavily um it is a heavily hispanic like mostly mexican community um a lot of migrant farm workers a lot of you know immigrants uh to the country and it is to this day um it's a very tight knit community because generations after generation have stayed here mm. um one because of the familial ties and two because most don't get a higher education. And so you stick to what you know, you don't have a reason to leave. If you can work in the area, you live with family, you know, you're all here. So the fact that they were so idealistic, I wanna say, um, and that they were able to use their, like their experiences to create this kind of long running thing. And the fact that they were so young, and I, I wasn't are much older than me, Well, I, from what I've heard from my family, because we're all still fucking here, like, <laughs> um, I know what the area was like during that time. I'm in a way, like as a Mexican, like so proud of them for being so like, we're going to do this fucking thing that I can guarantee you their families hated, uh, their parents <laughs> thought was stupid, their theists thought was stupid. I, I can guarantee you that, because that's not, this punk rock thing, this fringe thing, is not part of our culture. Comics are not part of our of Mexican culture, um, it, in the Chicano part of this area. So, uh, I guess I'm, like, weirdly proud, even though I don't know them, obviously. But, like, it's just really cool, because they were paving their own path at a time that they probably felt like maybe... It they don't have options, so they're gonna do what they're gonna do. Mm-hmm. I mean, again, I don't know anything about See, them, I'm just projecting, but
4: I was gonna say, I think you're wrong, Carrie. They had to at least have one Tia t-o-t-a that was
3: like, <laughs> No, 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 you should do <laughs> this shit,
0: you should do it. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. <laughs> there's always the, one that's like, the, always like that's <laughs> yeah. the one person who fucking regrets living in the same fucking town as their mom, their dad, their sisters, <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> their <laughs> brothers, <laughs> their cousins,
1: exactly. So, so, um... <laughs> and they're gonna encourage you to be radical,
0: <laughs> absolutely, yeah. Yep.
1: And so, so, yeah, well, the origin. Of the of, of Loven Rockets in you know the real world is that they so they wrote you know it was it was it was Gilbert Jaime and and, and uh, Mario and they wrote their comics they made they, they basically published they printed out their own zines and they took them down to San Diego Comic Con and they basically just like handed them out there and then the the, the guy who later became the editor uh, or like the one of the founders of Fantagraphics found them and basically said, okay, I want you guys to be part of oh, the uh, awesome. publisher. Then so cool. so that whole, you know, like I mean, like we obviously we have like DIY corner and everything. we we always talk about like you know indie comics from like the ground up and that that is literally where they they went from and and they're still doing it to this day. And like I said, I mean and also the thing is too is that like yeah there's comics you know before that they, they came out before them. But nothing really like this. Not at least not since the '40s or the '50s when uh, like that, the com- Comics Code kicked in.
2: I would say the closest thing That's to it I is Terry Moore, Terry Moore's
1: output. Yeah, absolutely, definitely, and and um, in paradise.
4: I don't yeah. know what what they had access to. Obviously, in the early '80s, but this felt so much like a manga to manga to me just the the this
3: format why i love it <laughs> yeah
4: um like if you i've read early astro boy that was the first thing it evoked to me like i've read like the, the like the first i don't know however many volumes or maybe seven eight volumes of early astro boy gave me those kind of vibes and you know just with some of the overwrought dialogue it gave me a lot of uh early you know, 60 Stan Lee. But just the the fact when I found out that this has been going for 40 years, I was just like, oh, no wonder it feels so much like a manga. Like, I don't know if they were privy to any of that stuff at the time, what was translated and available on the West Coast, but it, it gave me a lot of that vibe.
2: I think, um I think like Jaime Hernandez's biggest influence is like Archie Comics. So you can see mm-hmm. that in his art style. Like, and I think like, yeah, oh, definitely. If, if, I think that would have been his career had he not self-published his own shit i think he would have very easily yeah. gotten a, a job as like you know a, for, for archie or something similar like that um but yeah like it it it's so funny to me that like yeah revisiting this comic because i knew like oh yeah it starts a little weird but i didn't realize that like yeah like there's more than 200 pages where love and where Jaime's output is nothing like what it becomes famous for and and you kind of see it, it. It suddenly like it suddenly becomes about like it's a it's a suburban California drama by the end of this book that doesn't mention all these fictitious African cities that Maggie's visiting uh, earlier in the book. There's no like weird hover motorbikes that she's riding. There's no dinosaurs. They do keep the yes. um, the Mexican wrestling elements. Jaime Hernandez is a huge Mexican yeah. wrestling fan, mm-hmm. and um, he actually has an amazing book that came out last year or the year before which is a hardcover collection of all of his wrestling drawings it's just like it's like 200 drawings of women wrestling um he he is he is just that's his thing um i highly recommend that if you if you liked that element of 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 this first volume Hmm. but yeah by the end of the book it becomes about like you know girls living in a share house um scraping the last of their coins together to go see some bands getting drunk being sad because like you know they can't get a guy but it's I think it is one of the the best um examples I can think of of men writing women believably Mm -hmm. um maybe maybe Mm -hmm. not for for the most part of this this volume but eventually it becomes that um well that's what I was gonna say I'm shocked that you're saying that he was so young when he
4: did this because this book feels 10 years too early the and I guess it's just because a young person is writing it he speaks like um it's totally intolerant and some of the verbiage is stuff that we don't speak about, but like, or we don't speak in that manner anymore, but like mm-hmm. the way like they talk about lesbians, the way that they talk about the, like, I feel like in the eighties you weren't getting a lot of like, yeah, you have two women that live together. They share a same bed. They're not necessarily a couple. This is just mm-hmm. kind of how we make ends meet. Like you just didn't show that site, that side of the world in media mm-hmm. until like, and I feel I- like in the nineties,
2: I think it totally starts as him being like, "Wouldn't it be cool if two girls shared a bed?" And oh, then, and he, maybe, like, maybe but then he actually makes
1: it interesting and compelling and believable. And yeah, exactly. And but, and that's what I was gonna say is that like, I think the the first few pages you totally get the teenage fantasy of like the uh, the girls on the uh, you know, having the pillow fights during their sleepovers. You know, because like for no reason, Maggie and Hopi are like naked while talking to each other in bed. No, I
4: totally thought they were a couple. And I was very confused at the beginning of the book. Like, I was just like, wait, I was just like, is she bi? Or do they have an open relationship? Because from the opening of the book, I'm like, well, they're obviously a lesbian couple. (laughs) And then when I finally realized that they completely weren't, or, you know, one's pining for the other or whatever. But I was just like, oh, I was completely thrown off.
2: Yeah, the yeah. um the, the book for me is at its absolute peak when it really hones in on how their relationship works because they are romantically linked at a few times throughout their lives. I was um, hoping and- so. I was like, yeah. once I found out it ran so long, I was just like, they better. Yeah. Yeah, so- absolutely. <laughs> yeah. And so, like, you know, you can imagine growing up with these characters and, and seeing them over over decades of time and how different they are now. Like they they're both like graying older women currently being written but as he's still writing stories about them and it's fucking So are they in they're in their
4: like 60s now late 50s early 60s
2: Yeah yeah I think late 50s yeah Oh very <laughs> nice That's uh, cool
1: that, Yeah I mean that that's what so um I've been choosing books of my my choices that have to do you know that are kind of musically in- adjacent or or very 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 close to music um and I and that's one of the reasons I chose uh, Locus over uh, Palomar which Palomar is what Gilbert does and that's about a fictional town in um, Central America
2: um, that's and- fucking
1: it's so insane I love that so much it's, <laughs> it's so different but like and it's and it
2: is like relentlessly horny but uh, <laughs> I think in, in like yeah he he never lets go of that like kind of like teenage lust side of of um of the comics he writes but I, I think it's, it's 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 good yeah <laughs> it, it Le- provides, Le- okay, i have yeah. a
4: question um yeah. since you've read it all so when the different brothers are doing different level rockets do they come out simultaneously or okay, i'm, I'm gonna run they... behind me
2: i've got a big stack of comics once let me get no problem mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah um
1: oh just and just really just really quick um the wow my my brain just went blank um but yeah um so so as we had mentioned before like just like the the way the story is formatted is like kind of like your silver age style where it's like vignette after vignette um and i think and then and Levis is going to show us right now about how it actually had been released
0: oh cool so this
1: is this is love and rockets 13 and this is actually
2: i i I was right this is the last this is exactly where, where i said if anyone has just the maggie the mechanic this is where page 240 starts so this is the locust comic where uh where maggie rips her pants at the start of the um of (laughs) of the story um and so yeah you have um like like usually they're a cover so there'll be like a gilbert now they have like like it'll be like jaime will do the front cover and gilbert will do the back cover Mm. so you've got gilbert on the front jaime on the back that's a very recent one but these ones are from from the 80s um and so you will you'll have like a um a locus story, which will go for about like six to eight pages, and then it will cut to one of Gilbert's um, Palomar set stories, just on the next page. Okay. Um, and
3: that's Do like, the characters yeah, like, like said, from the
2: two sets of stories intertwined at all. Never, no.
1: Oh, interesting. Um, is, is there any is there any like sense that they're in the same universe at all? Or no, definitely just... not. Oh, that's oh. awesome. No. That's really cool. Yeah, actually, yeah, yeah. I well, like that. A I'm lot.
0: glad that you said something about it getting better because I did not like this at all. Like I, <laughs> a- I didn't like it. I was, Did you was,
2: get to the end? Did you get to page 240? I yeah. got
0: to the end. It was just, I think because it took so long to get there, like the yeah. payoff wasn't really there for me. Mm-hmm. Although I have to tell you, I love Penny Century. Yeah. Yeah. yeah Penny that, Century is great. <laughs> I thought that whole, and that guy with the horns that she was fucking i was like yeah. he's kind of hot i kind of well, no wait, wait 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 is she fucking him is oh totally fucking, fucking, fucking yeah
2: plenty fucks everybody
4: yeah <laughs> i'm all, no no I'm... but the thing no you just kind of constantly see her see him see her leading him on
0: but they like you see point. her in
4: bed in other people with other people. I yeah. felt like with him, you, you constantly just see her leading him on.
0: No, there's one point where he says, Um, he's like, Oh, um, I like the way you move, and that's why I only dance with you. And she's like, Oh, and Mr. Costigan, you you dance divinely, and it's shadowed, but it's implied that they're fucking.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: And dancing is fucking. <laughs> well. I love, I love Penny Century. I was like, Get it, girl. I I under like I understand and, that. That is wonderful.
3: She, but,
2: she, she some, stays as a, as a minor character for years and oh, she cool. eventually does become a superhero. Yes. And they oh, do a full yeah. superhero. Arc. Is, that's
0: yeah, her yeah, big yeah. wish. Okay. That's oh. awesome. That makes oh. me really happy. So one um,
4: thing about the book, um, when you were talking about the stuff early on, at the beginning of the book, I was kind of another thing that kind of confused me is that since it's black and white and I guess his art style wasn't so refined, I just assumed everyone was white. They mm-hmm. all looked white. They had. They were into punk rock. There was a Goth girl there, and then like every time I'd hear, there he throw a little Spanish in, like or you know Spanglish, you know. A lot of the times, I was just like, "What is this?" And then as yeah. as you get people's full names, I was like, "Oh, you're Hispanic." Yeah. Oh, that makes his so much more sense. Yeah. And then yeah. as you get closer to two forty. I feel like the art style gets more and more refined oh, more that there's yeah. more characteristics. Like, I feel like when you first yes. meet Daffy, you cannot tell that she's Asian. And then no. when you see Daffy later in the book, I was like, Oh yes. That character's Asian. That's, very very
1: uh, apparent (laughs) in fact the page i'm looking at while we're talking about this is because i think it's it's the page that's kind of like helping my memory the most is the 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 last page on the first volume where it's the cast of characters in order of appearance and this is this is obviously done later because like the maggie you see in this picture is not the maggie or even like the race that looks nothing like The 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 characters that you meet at the beginning of this book.
0: The evolution of the art is beautiful. I just Mm -hmm. i i appreciated that so much.
1: It was wonderful. That's that's where I was going to say too is that like so so obviously you know this book is monumental and like yeah it's a slow start but it's like you kind of have to start it here because one it's it's a continuing story about these characters Mm -hmm. and two. As like a comic book fan, and I love seeing the evolution. Like not only is the evolution of the, like the artwork, like, but you also see like 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 what, what Levin was saying earlier, like you see Jaime learn how to block. You you see how he learn he, he learns how to tell a story, you know, like like yeah. going, you know, and like you go from like you know, just slowly kind of from in these 280 pages, you go from like okay like this is definitely a teenager doing teenagers you know style or like quality stuff going to like this is a professional and the, there's no wonder like this is considered one of the greatest comics of all time
0: oh yeah like yeah. i'm excited yeah. to read more yeah I
2: like okay because that. that's the thing the, the big payoff carrie is not the end of this book it's that you can start the next one yeah <laughs> yeah. yeah 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 no, yeah no,
0: no. Yeah, I'm excited. So for I was, was
4: going to say, I, I'm more in, into Carrie's camp where I was reading this book. I wasn't enjoying it. I was just like, I can see that there's quality here, but it's not for me. That said, even in the parts that I didn't like or the parts that I felt like were a slot, the characters are really indelible. Like I'm, in van, I, I, I'm invested in Rand, uh, Rand, Race. Mm-hmm. And Race I'm, yeah, right, yeah. I'm invested I Penny, invested in uh uh in izzy and uh mm-hmm. maggie and hope like hope you like they're, they're just really good characters and you just mm-hmm. want to find out what's going to happen with them like I, when i finished the book i was just like i, I didn't really like that but i kind of want to read the next one because i like the characters like yeah. i kind of want to put a uh um, uh, read a red t- a uh, poster on my wall. She's
1: a freaking,
4: <laughs> she's a yeah. superhero. Yeah,
1: she's, <laughs> she's such a bad. Yeah, ass. yeah, Hell yeah. I, I, yeah and, and that's actually that. And that's why I love too. Because I I actually have always been a huge fan of Mexican wrestling of like of luchadores and um and like. And and you know like I, I I you know watching like the El Santo movies and like watching like Blue Demon and everything where they're like in their regular lives or they're helping people out and everyone else is just like normally dressed and then they're either in like a unitard and wearing their mask or they're wearing like like a like a, a fully like dressed like James Bond style suit with their mask on still and no one like pays attention like to the fact that they're still wearing their mask you know and like that's the vibe I got from this too like with Rana you know like she's you know not only is she out wrestling in the ring but she's actually saving the world you know like that's that's what made me really like this a lot too was the the whole wrestling aspect
2: yeah so this is this collection is basically what they've done is it just taken all of Jaime's stuff out of the first um, 13 um, issues of Love and Rockets and put it in this volume right Mm
0: -hmm. and then
2: so there's another volume which is just all of Gilbert's stuff from the same era yes Cool. And and not only that, not only is it all their comics; it's it's only the ones that have an ongoing storyline. Because the very first Love and Rockets chapter issues had a bunch of just random stuff. And so there is a collection that collects all of Jaime and Gilbert's stuff that isn't linked to Locas or, or Palomar, and also all of their brothers Mario's stuff too. And that's all of that. That's another volume too. But okay. at the end of the year, Fanagraphics, and this is like such a bougie purchase. I think it's going to be like four hundred bucks US, nice. um, and it is a, uh, a collection. It's called Love and Rockets, first 50, the classic 40th anniversary collection. And what it is, is instead of taking out all the Gilbert stuff and all of the Jaime stuff, this is a hardcover collection that presents the magazines as they were at the time, ads and all apparently, ads, letters. like So it's like full-on preservation with all this bonus, bonus supplementary stuff, and that is like you know i've I've always wanted a a complete set of of the single issues i randomly stumbled upon about 20 of them at a um at a secondhand store in in tasmania about a decade ago which is how i how i got into love and rockets to begin with they were were selling them for a dollar each oh
0: hell yeah
2: (laughs) um but i think that that collection like pricey as it is i think is like if like for like you know idiot comic fans like myself that's like pure crack i can't wait yeah, for it
0: i have a feeling i'll be <laughs> buying it for brian
2: yeah that, that sounds like a, a good credit card purchase you know
0: and, <laughs> and to, to bring it back to
2: uh to music like yeah this becomes a lot more about music and the punk scene in california Mm -hmm. um you start meeting the different band members they start dating different band members at one point hopi goes on tour with a band and her and maggie are completely split up for a long period of time and what how does that affect their relationship that's one of the best runs of 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 love and rockets for
0: me Um, that's exciting
2: but like even in the real world so love and rockets existed as a comic from 1981. in 1985 a british rock band Started called Love and Rockets, and people theorize that they took the name from the comic. Um, So Hopi's um, surname is Ortiz. Ortiz. I don't know how you pronounce that properly, Um, Mm -hmm. but uh, Mm -hmm. uh, Hopi Ortiz is her name, and she has a brother named Speedy, who is a one-time love interest for Maggie. Um, And uh, there is actually a a a band called Speedy Ortiz, who named their first album after what in my opinion is maybe the that one of the best arcs in the whole series which is called the the Death of Speedy Ortiz which is um talking about like like yeah we we are we're getting this amazing you know story of this relationship of women living in this area of California but what is living in this area like for other people of this community yeah. and it really expands on what it is like to, to you know to be hispanic growing up in 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 that area in that's the cool. 80s
3: that's cool um,
2: and yeah, so yeah, but, but, and I think there are a few other examples of people taking mail, yeah, but Speedy Ortiz, I think, is, like, the, the, the biggest example.
4: Again, this awesome. is such a weird thing, because, like I said, I didn't love the read, but everything that you're telling me makes me want to read more. Yeah, it all right?
2: sounds so fascinating. You you will, if you have access to, like, like, Humble Bundle just released the entire mm-hmm. collection, like, every single book. Um, I don't know if any of you picked that up, but, but just, you, could, you yeah. can basically get... Forty years worth of comics for twenty bucks or something stupid. Yeah. Um, oh god, I'm
4: upset. I missed it, Brian. Look it up. <laughs>
1: I'll, I'll, <laughs> yeah, I'll send you the link. don't, yeah, don't worry.
2: <laughs> um, and then uh, yeah, the the like the, this. If you read that second volume, I guarantee you, Richard, you will, and Carrie too. You'll just be like, oh, I know who these characters are now imagine if this like the ongoing storyline was actually something you could be invested in instead of being this like weird patchy all over the place soup that you have like some fondness for in parts but then you just feel completely lost reading the rest of it
3: mm-hmm.
4: so I'm- we were talking about like weird aspects of the book about like there's hovercrafts and there's dinosaurs and by far there's superheroes but by far the weirdest thing to me is that there's world famous mechanics in this world like mechanics (laughs) that people know by name that's like oh he's the best mechanic that ever was and he's a celebrity for it i was just like this is so trippy and that's how like you
2: can you can tell that that's that's, that that was the concept for the series to begin with right like (laughs) Mm -hmm. what what if this mechanic was famous and she lived with a girl like that and then like that that it grew to what it becomes is so insane like any i feel like any other creator would be like you know what this i don't really want to write the series that that I initially wanted to set out to write. I'm just going to start a new one. He instead just morphed it into this thing. And like, mm-hmm. like as much as you can probably just pick up volume two and, and read it when the comic is actually at its best, I feel like it's so important to, to, to go on the journey with him. Oh, and yeah. So like, absolutely. Look, you, you've done the hard part of this series now. Um, Gilbert Gilbert's side is way more instantly approachable, but may not be a subject matter that is as, as appealing to um, everybody. But um yeah, look, you guys have put the hard yards yeah. in. You should reward yourselves with one <laughs> too. <laughs> <laughs> so,
0: the weirdest thing about the book is the um assumption that when women are hanging out together, our titties are always out. yeah.
3: That's That's funny. the
0: weirdest thing. That's not true. No, We've never. It did. isn't.
2: Penny Penny is sunbathing, and I see that. That yeah. that, that is a, I, that, like that. That's a believable instance. Absolutely. For me. Yes. 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 But definitely. Yeah. In in most of her things, but yeah, I think I feel like it's it's. A a comic language for the easiest way to show someone is like an exhibitionist or comfortable around other people, I think, is to put them in a situation where they are naked. I will
4: uh, contend I am not a woman, but as someone who works at a resort on Miami Beach, this is not... As far fetched as you would
3: believe.
2: <laughs> yeah, now I'm like I'm just going through all of the uh, yeah. the, the Love and Rockets magazines in front of me and, and seeing what's immediately ahead of, ahead for you guys. Were so, you to continue, it so, it gets so good so fast.
1: So I have I have a a question actually pertaining to that. So um, I'm obviously yeah, I'm. I'm I'm going to be going forward, and I'm reading the the that the 30th anniversary uh, editions, mm-hmm. which are the ones that that you know this Maggie the Mechanic was part of it, and they 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 split up the you know that you have the Heimlich stories, the Gilbert stories. Do you recommend? Do you think I should read like all the Heimlich stories and then go back and read all the Gilbert stories from the beginning, or do you think I should? go? I, like- I think. So.
2: Because you're gonna binge it, you're gonna do it like I did it and read it you know, in a in like an alarmingly short amount of time and yeah. like just eat, like completely consume something that took two men their entire lifetimes to create. <laughs> you're, like, you're gonna you're gonna, they're go, gonna binge yeah. their life work. Uh, <laughs> yep. work. Exactly. That's one of my favorite things to do. That 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 is the most like my most that when I feel most privileged is when I get to do that, is when I get to uh, <laughs> like just just like read yeah like 50 years of hard work on an ipad <laughs> yeah.
4: yeah so they're, they're, this person's like this is the proof that i existed on this plane oh, no. and we're just like yeah i'm gonna bang it out of the weekend
1: <laughs> or, or even even on the reader's like perspective where it's like oh well what's gonna happen next i have to wait a month and here we're like okay well in a month i'm gonna be done with 60 issues you know or 100 issues you know like um, yeah well then they didn't oh, release any
2: any new love and rockets for like about three years around pandemic time they've only started to do it again this year and so i've got yes. i've got those three That's why to I was read, gonna
4: ask how uh so. how frequently does it i must i know it's not a monthly book
2: right how frequently does it come out when it, it, it was out? it was quarterly a couple of years ago i think they're trying to get back on that on that track
1: the ad, gotcha. wasn't the, the actually for a little bit wasn't like it like once a year but it was like a A full-on like graphic novel, or was that was that the quarterly?
2: Yeah, yeah, that was the um, that was the when it was annually, it was yeah like a full-on like yeah uh, you know a hundred-page graphic novel.
1: That's awesome too. I think that's like they did about seven on eight of those. Yeah, maybe ten. Yeah. And that and that, that was volume three, and now we're on volume four, which is the, the, the modern stuff, the new stuff. Magazine
2: format, I think, is like the best way for this this comic to exist. And okay. I, I love that they've got their the, the upcoming hardcover collection, I think, is magazine format, but in hardcover. They did that with um with uh, Daniel Klaus's Eight Ball, where mm-hmm. it's a hardcover collection, but when you open the collection up, every magazine is actually in their cover and all as it was oh, printed nice. in That's the eighties. Awesome. It's so cool. Yeah, that
1: is really cool. Um, I think yeah.
2: that's the thing about fanagraphics. They, like, you know, the, the the creators probably aren't making as much money as they would have if they were to go with, you know, Marvel, DC, even Image. But there is no way any other publisher cares as much about their comics as as, as Fantagraphics mm-hmm. do.
1: And you can tell. You know, there's yeah. There's there's a lot of love. You know, even if you just go like to the Fanagraphics website. And like, just look at like you know, like how they present their books. It's it. There's there's some kind of like awe that they have for their creators, and you know mm-hmm. that's and a lot and a lot of regard as well. Um, so uh, I actually really wanted to kind of go back really quick about the whole you know the mechanics being like the most you know famous people in the world. Um, and and I, I totally get the vibe like you know that you know you whenever you're going through a creative writing. Um, course, they always say, you know, write what you know. And California, I mean, well, ca- all California has a car culture, but this area of California, like where they're from, the car culture is like king. Like you, you can't go a weekend without seeing at least like three cars from the 1950s that are just totally souped up. And like in like in, in this neighborhood or even like in, in like nearby like Camarillo, like you will see like you know, beautiful cars um, to this day. And in the 80s, it was even more prevalent because those kind of cars were still, you know, a lot more available. And so, yeah, you know, like, the car culture and so i'm assuming that like jaime grew up around people who were souping up their cars he or him himself was like you know like oh. getting his is like 56 uh chevy all nice and souped up and and chromed out you know so i i'm guessing that that's why the mechanics are like so you know such a prevalent part of the first part of this story hmm. because you know that's those are the people that he knew
4: i, I believe it
0: yeah um i'm just glad that our resident mexican was able to uh talk to everybody about latino car c- car culture because i absolutely i absolutely agree with him i was like yeah you know that's that's uh i i didn't even make the connection that's a that's a good idea
1: yeah because and like like especially like the the male characters they're always in a car or they're by the car uh like speedy like he's you know driving in his old 64 what looks like an impala And, um, you know, like it's, you know, like you can tell that that there's a lot of care in not only how Jaime draws the cars, but like the characters themselves, how much care they put into their cars. So One thing that
4: I love slash hated about this book is that. There is not one normal character. <laughs> Either you're an asshole or some version of weirdo. Yeah. <laughs> okay,
3: well <laughs>
4: like
3: so- Everyone
2: beca- it, it becomes way more believably. Like I mean I, I would say no one is truly normal in this series but you yeah. become they become a lot more human. Um <laughs> after after this first volume Very and cool. the funny thing is i don't think Maggie's even a mechanic anymore like I, and that, that that just doesn't become a thing anymore
1: probably not <laughs> um so actually that leads to a question i didn't want to ask you all um so who's your like okay so levins will be a little bit different for you since you read the whole series but like who's your favorite characters you know like thus far in volume one and then Levin's, if you want to like just say like overall who your favorite character was like you either in volume one or the entire series like of the Locusts people um Um,
2: i can't i can't remember if he's been introduced yet i um because i didn't read all the way through to the end of of of, of this i I started skimming as as it became way too close to us actually recording but does (laughs) ray get introduced ray dominguez in in this volume or does he he not show up later
1: no 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 no, ray dominguez i'm looking at that once again look at the cast of characters just to make sure yeah Yeah, yeah no mention of ray yet
2: Ray is by far my favorite character in Love and Rockets. He is like the only man that truly understands Hopi and, and Maggie. Um, and uh, he is flawed, but like just, I, I love him. He's, he's so good. And watching him grow old grow old with Hopi and Maggie and their relationships is, is like my favorite thing of, of about Love and Rockets. Of the two of them, just because she is a bit crazier, I, I, I love Hopi but mm-hmm. I, Mag, Maggie becomes the star of Love and Rockets as it continues.
1: Okay, very cool. Um, how, how about you, Richard?
2: Hmm.
4: I mean, it's definitely, uh, it has to be Renna. She's so cool. Yeah. <laughs> she's
3: mm-hmm. out
4: here, you know, s- supporting cute coos, breaking hearts, being world <laughs> champion. Like, <laughs> she's just kind of in the mix of everything. Um, but I will say this, the, uh, the segments that I like the most, is anytime there's a Penny Century like solo segment it's going to be an enjoyable read those were every one of those were fun
1: definitely and I think Carrie you had mentioned that Penny
0: Century all the way I thought Maggie was a bitch (laughs) and no, no, no 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 I retract that um I don't know if I thought she was a bitch but I just didn't find she was seemed more miserable and maybe She's I super
4: volatile. Yeah, I and mean, maybe like I jumping don't... from emotion to emotion, and yeah, oh, at times she's very hard to like. I
0: I see, I I see a lot of I think. Really passionate, Latin women. I see I see that like stereotype, if you even want to call it that. I I see that in hopi and so I I really enjoyed her character. Um, but p- man, Penny Century. She was living my life, man. I thought that. Was, <laughs> she was so fucking cool. I'm like this bitch. <laughs> so
1: I um, I you know I I was a big fan of of Izzy. Um actually it was my favorite. Um the kind of older like you know the goth lady who kind of like yeah, you know, yeah i knew i knew you would <laughs> <walking through. laughs> like Izzy was my was my, kind of my favorite and we talk about the most like down-to-earth character even though she's like a goth and she has a parasol uh, out in the sun so she doesn't get any sun she's like the most down-to-earth character in the first volume
4: i love izzy even more when they start showing flashbacks of her you know yeah. before she she went goth yeah so I was just like it gave so much texture to her character because i'm like yo something happened, like something bad happened yeah
1: the fact that she was like a leader of a girl gang like like when she was in high school yeah like that's but like you no
4: know, when she's in college and she's writing she's trying to write like regular stuff it's like i mm-hmm. was like oh yeah what what happened to this woman <laughs>
1: yeah. So yeah, I, I was yeah, definitely Izzy fan, but as in between Maggie and Hopi, I am also Team Hopi. Um, as, <laughs> as of right now in the first volume, and because yeah. I've always been, you know, I've always loved like the the iconoclast like punk rock character, and Hopi is definitely that character in this book.
2: Yeah, so. I'm I'm very excited for you to read uh read the um start reading Gilbert's stuff too because his 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 side of the story often gets overlooked. Um, mm-hmm. because uh, this I think. It is a it it stays a little bit more fantastic than um than uh than Jaime's side of the story does. So the, I think people don't like how ungrounded it is, but there's something so fun about this Gilbert's bizarre so um, you know decade spanning soap opera about a fictional Central American town. Um, it's the best, so good.
4: Um, as the book goes on, do they introduce more? I, I know they they're going to introduce more characters, but more characters that are like indelible or is the focus still like these characters that we meet in the first volume almost completely? I mean, no,
2: like like Ray, for example, isn't in it anymore after after this volume. Um, okay, okay. yeah, um, <laughs> <laughs> I would like, um, but yeah, and and like everyone, like Maggie and Hopey, both get called out for their shit constantly by different characters <laughs> who are like, and they're even like like the reason I like um, Ray so much is that he is like. He's like a down-to-earth, nice guy, but to his detriment, like almost like a caricature of what a nice guy is. Um, he has, he's like super self-aware, um, and like will often like kind of like break the fourth wall and kind of you'll there'll be a dialogue from him. You actually get to hear his thoughts, which not many characters in in the series get to do. Um, I yeah, it, it gets so much better. It's it, it's, it's it's actually really fun to me talking about this part of it now knowing how much what what a small piece of the puzzle it is
3: mm-hmm.
1: and you know and I'm yeah definitely gonna be reading on I'm I'm gonna put my uh my attempt to read all the Daredevil comics uh aside for a little bit <laughs> and uh and jump on Love and Rockets <laughs>
2: yeah Uh-oh. i mean unfortunately like all my favorite things are they just are difficult to get into at first
1: <laughs> you know, like, yeah. I, I love
2: like one piece is you know a, almost a thousand i was gonna one, say i love one, one piece I'm, and i'm like look
4: man if you could if you could watch these first 120 episodes it gets really really good after that exactly. <laughs> oh, no, no, i
2: don't know i even i'm not crazy enough to watch the anime <laughs> um but i love reading the manga. But on like the watching side, like like Venture Brothers, for example, one of my favorite mm-hmm. shows of all time. And oh. like, the, the first series of that sucks.
1: <laughs> but it yeah. gets so good. Yeah. And I'm I'm a fan of the first season of that. And I because like I like how self-contained it was, but but yeah, no, it definitely gets better afterwards. <laughs> um, the
4: first uh, season, I, I like the first episode. I think uh the pirate episode, it that holds yes. up. Oh. That, that is your pro look, oh,
2: no. yeah. There's first really first elements of it that gonna totally be. hold up but yeah, when, it, when, it so into, when it leans so hard into it when it leans so hard into being a like a hardy boys you, you mm-hmm. know yes. johnny quest yeah. johnny quest parody it's it's nowhere near as strong as it when it just is like you know what let's just be an insane comic book instead
3: of <laughs> making fun <laughs> yeah. of him. Yeah. And, yeah. and,
1: and to go back to brian loving the goth characters when like mr white um is talking to um to uh, the dr strange's who what's his name dr orpheus his yeah. um dr, dr. orpheus's is daughter, daughter. And says like hey, I was the first person to play Bajas in my college radio. You know what that makes me? She's like old and I'm like, I'm to to I'm like I feel that in my heart now. It's a 41-year-old. I feel, I feel that That's in so my funny. heart cuz like I, I you know I'm inter- trying to introduce like my nieces and nephews to like, you know, older music that I know that they would enjoy and I'm just thinking to myself like god, they just probably just think I'm this old man who loves like, <laughs> this like, archaic music that no one else likes. You know. <laughs> so You are. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Effectively yes. Well,
4: fine yeah, no. yeah we all are it's cool
1: yeah definitely <laughs> um which was i mean kind of a quick tangent but um, i've been kind of doing a quick um like like you know asking people at work you know various ages if they know what sky is and the majority why? of why are you doing this? <laughs> love, You're gonna get I, put on a list. I, I, yeah, it's true, but I, lo- but I love Scott, and there's so many different versions of Scott, so I kind of want to know like if they do know what Scott is, like if they even know, like, that it's not just like real big fish, it's like you know, like there's a huge history. In I world.
4: like how you no, say it's not just real big fish, as if you expect these kids to know what real big fish
1: yeah, is. Yeah, I know, I know, I know. Once again, like, this makes me <laughs> Old, yes, it makes it very old. Teenagers so, today
2: are still asking the question: Why do they rock so hard?
1: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yes. Well, I hope you all still out with me tonight. <laughs> yeah. Oh lord!
2: Have you watched the um going back to Adult Swim after Venture Brothers? Have you watched the series *Delocated*? The John Glazer series? No, I have not. Oh man, you should watch that. It's great. In the first episode. It's we'll super weird. It. It's so it's the best. <laughs> but he has his his son. So it's like about a bunch of a family who basically go into witness protection program, but it also wants to have a reality TV show about them moving to New York city. And so it's like a reality TV show where everyone wears balaclavas and has voice, like like voice modulation. So you can't recognize them. (laughs) But so his son has a, has a scar themed birthday party. Um, I just I think it's like the <laughs> second episode please watch this so I can quote it at you <laughs> <laughs> I will check it out God. wait wait
0: this we're on the adult swim tangent maybe 11s you've seen this maybe Richard they used to have scary commercials that would show like at 4 a.m and they wouldn't look they would look like normie commercials but they were actually produced by the network Oh yeah, and, yeah yeah yeah. and they were really fucking creepy. And then if you went to the website that was posted on the commercial, it would just be like creepy pasta. Yeah. That somebody would write right? <laughs> yeah, I just I, Okay, that's all. Oh, that was like <laughs> That was
2: Yeah, cuz Adult Swim did it was basically the series is called Infomercials.
0: Oh, it was, it was an actual show.
2: Yeah, okay. and so and that's like oh, the most famous so one it, the most famous one was Too Many Cooks. Which yes. was like a um, yeah, like a parody of like old sitcom intros,
0: uh-huh. um,
2: which then that went viral, and a few other ones went like like you know, kind of got taken seriously outside of the context yes. of it being um, adults swim. But when yeah, they, 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 oh, no, they did ahead. like they did like fifty of them.
0: Yeah, because the one that um that I actually saw that went viral was the um the bear in the neighborhood. Um, yes. And it was like an antidepressant med- medication commercial and news, like local news areas or local, sorry, that's stupid. Local news rooms were using that footage as like, oh my gosh, there's actually bears going into residential areas. And this is not where bears should be. I'm like, you guys are fucking stupid. yeah Like this isn't <laughs> like, this is like, and I was like, this is a commercial, but I was dumb and I don't sleep. And so when I was watching, it was like, oh my god, this is is this a real commercial? Yeah. So, anyways, thank you for making sure I wasn't crazy by telling me that was something that the network for sure oh had god, a show they- on.
2: I'm not jealous of much uh, when it comes to uh, living in Australia instead of America, but the, the fact that adult swim is an existing TV channel over there and not something that I have to like find weird pirated rips of um, <laughs> whenever, whenever I'm in America, the first thing I do is just put like, make sure we're on Cartoon Network and all of a sudden alarm to wake me up at like 11 PM or two, 2 AM <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, to watch the good stuff. <laughs>
1: uh, yeah. Um, yeah. I'm surprised that's not, not a good channel there that's or at least, you know, but that, but uh but yeah, that's. I mean,
2: some of the series are on streaming. But yeah, okay. we don't really like c- cable TV. wasn't really a thing here. Oh really? Um, yeah, not as much as uh as as it is in America.
1: Yeah, I I was basically raised by cable TV, so I totally
0: <laughs> get that. Comedy
4: he, Central. He, spend, yeah. he spends a lot of time with it on Mother's
1: Day. Yes, I do. <laughs> I <agree>. Oh
0: shit! <laughs> that made me sad for you. <laughs> no. I was like, oh that.
1: You, you, know, you know the channel that tells you what uh, shows are playing, the TV Guide channel? Uh-huh. I, I give that roses every Mother's Day. Oh, oh fuck <laughs> you. That's
0: sad.
1: No, um, no, Let the- him love the way he wants to love
0: <laughs> Oh, But speaking of cable TV, I work with some younger people and they were talking about a TV series and they were like, oh, well, there's only one season of it. And I'm like, no, there's actually season two that's already out. And they're like, no, it's not because on Hulu it's not out yet. I'm like, oh, like on ABC where the show airs on cable network, like, yeah, it's out. And they're like, oh, who has cable anymore? I'm like, I live with my stepgenarian parents, so yes, we have cable. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, Whoop.
1: World. Um, but so, but just really quick, just to bring us back to uh, to love and rockets, um, you know, just any fi- any final thoughts or um before we, we move on. I'm excited my final the thoughts are book.
2: that i can't wait for you all to read the rest of it yeah <laughs> i know
1: me too I, I have a feeling that if you keep on listening that the the um volumes of love and rockets will probably be my spotlights in multiple episodes going forwards forward wow you, you've got me
2: wanting to reread it all now which is something i like do not need to do right now but like <laughs> it, it is that good I, I was i was saving that for when the, the the hardcover collection comes out at the end of the year but
1: oh yeah
2: uh yeah Okay. it's exciting I, I, because I've, I've read it all digitally i bought it all in comiXology years ago um and then i i have like mm-hmm. a few scattered physical um magazines but yeah the, the idea of reading that entire run as it was presented in the magazine format is like so exciting to me
1: that sounds amazing actually and um and that yeah, actually reminded it. me um besides the uh the humble bundle that came out a couple weeks or a couple months ago um every, it seems like every december um comiXology um, has a Fantographic sale, and Love and Rockets is a big part of that. And last December, I bought basically every single volume of uh, of Love and Rockets, um, like you know, like twelve volumes, twelve or thirteen volumes, and it was under like thirty bucks so so you, you know uh, hopefully the, the pentagraphics won't make me a liar this year but but well, uh, yeah, i mean
2: this will be the first christmas where Comicsology is is just a fuck pile yeah that's true that's true the, the new format I, we, I don't even well you know if, if you go to comiXology.com in australia now it just sends you to amazon
1: mm-hmm. it's basically the same oh thing really
2: yeah yeah you can't like there's no way to, there's no way to just only see comic books on
1: it's, if you're not buying the book the the week that it comes out, because like you still have like the new the new comic book list. If you're trying to buy a book that's been out for a little bit, like you put the you put it in you know the search, and you don't just get comics, you get you know everything, and like you'll you'll get like mops and like and like plant house plants along with like your comics which is why i'm assuming amazon's doing it that way so that it you know cross you know sells but yeah it is frustrating as a comic book reader who you know comicsology was never perfect but the fact that i can't like look up a comic and just get that comic you know so dumb it's like they
2: they can make so much more money which is why it's so insane to me that, that this has happened the way it's happened
1: yeah Absolutely. I
2: don't want to give up that 30%. <laughs> well,
1: <laughs> speaking about companies that do things really strangely, I know we're a, we're an indie comic podcast, but I'm a huge Zelda head, and I know you all are, are big video game people as well. So I just wanted to get your thoughts about the Nintendo Direct, and specifically the, the Zelda, the Legend of Zelda um, trailer that was in it, but like any other thoughts? I was pretty to... underwhelmed. Like, I'm yes. still kind of,
2: like, there was enough stuff there that I'm, like, I mean, because I'm currently, like, I'm loving Splatoon 3, I'm loving mm-hmm. Xenoblade Chronicles 3. Like, I, I've still played my Switch more than any other console and I own all of them. Um, but, but, like, that direct, I like it when they announce the, the weird little games. Like, there was one direct that I know a lot of people didn't like where they announced, like, the Advance Wars ports and the, um, yeah. the New Warrior Wear game and the Metroid Dread and I'm like that that's that that is yeah. exactly what I want more of and mm-hmm. instead mm-hmm. we get like you know like I I don't want to get one one piece of Zelda news every year. Mm-hmm. About this game that will eventually come out, I want them to tell me all the other little games that I may be playing instead yeah. while I wait for the next day Zelda. And they didn't really do that,
1: especially 90, 90 seconds essentially of Zelda as well. I was Dude, thinking, it, was less than that, it was less, yeah. far less
4: than a minute. Yeah. This yeah. is a uh, we could tell that no one on this podcast cares about Pikmin because I feel like that was their other big reveal. Uh, <laughs> excuse me, Pikmin. Motherfucker. Oh, maybe not, <laughs> <laughs> maybe you should have been a little bit more excited. I feel like,
2: but the thing is, I knew like Pikmin 4 their, their already headliner. existed. Yeah, Pikmin Four. No, I mean, I feel like Fire Emblem coming out the gate. That was cool. But oh, like, yeah, man, didn't, I want them to fill the gaps. I want to know what I'm going to be playing until May next year when Breath of the Wild comes out. And yeah. uh, I don't. I reckon Pikmin Four will be coming out like a year after after Breath of the Wild. No, Breath of the Wild. What I remember, was going to say. Oh, what was overwhelming yeah.
4: to me about the uh, direct is that there was so few 2022 release dates. Like, they, mm-hmm. I don't think they have a killer app for this holiday season. Uh, oh no they have the two pokemon game yeah the two Pokemon. bayonetta
2: bayonetta 3 i'm excited for it too yeah Yeah. true
4: but uh, bayonetta 3 i feel like i've been waiting for it for so long like i kind of like when i see it at the store i'm gonna get it but like i kind of forget that it's there
2: exactly (laughs) yeah but miyamoto said pikmin 4 was finished in the interview in like 2017 so i've like i knew that it was coming as well so like it's good to get confirmation but like yeah he didn't say when it's coming out Mm-mm. he didn't say what the game is going to be except that you look at it it's a different point of view i don't know and he made a t-shirt yeah. good yes, for you the Miyamoto. <laughs> shirt was weird yeah that was a
3: t-shirt with it was really it strange are... and of the course thing is thinking...
4: that miyamoto's always seems enthused about everything but he seemed like to have a lot of pride in making that shirt oh
3: yeah
1: <laughs> of course it was a weird moment but my first question was is that Is that available in black? I'll I'll take that. I'll take that. You know, (laughs) if it is. Um, I
2: think it's it's only he only made one. He didn't make yeah for sale. Come on, (laughs) Uh,
1: but uh, the um, yeah for for me it's it's funny because like right now like my only console I have set up is a Switch. So and I love indie games. Hence me loving all the small games podcasts. And um, breakfast
2: comes out tomorrow with yeah
1: and um and and like um so like the announcement like a like tunic as well um oh tunic's
2: up. so good
4: i played it on the xbox already it's really yeah, fun yeah me, I, me
1: too but I, it looks so um the frame
2: rate looked like shit on the in, in the directs the switch version so
1: yeah
2: i'm a bit worried like I, I when when they ported um death store which is very similar similar to tunic mm-hmm. um to switch they just like it was a bit more low res but they kept the frame rate it looks like it's it done the opposite of the, yeah oh
1: i i love death store um, that was when I, I just yes. 100% of that recently and that was a, a very fun game um, but uh, but yeah and then like I think we got excited about that we got excited about story of seasons
0: yes because uh, I like relationships in my games Fire Emblem Three Houses like totally ruined me for other games because I'm like oh I could build support and like have a family and um, that's all I want in um, my gaming now and the fact <laughs> that the new Fire Emblem game okay one i wanted dimitri back because okay in my head uh, yeah. all fire this is stupid so don't judge me <laughs> but all fire emblem games are based off of three houses i know it's not i understand that but in my head i was like oh another three because we got um three hopes yeah that, last year yeah. or whatever and then i thought for some reason like oh this is also going to be three houses like affiliated so i was really <laughs> excited for it and then i'm like what the fuck is this shit. Plus, I didn't like the way that, um, and I I mean, you guys can tell me, but it felt like the way that the playing, like the fighting screens were, they were weird to me. I didn't like that setup. And I didn't know if that was something that was like just for the direct or if that's going to be actual gameplay. So I was like, fuck that. I don't want,
1: I don't want it anymore. It looks like it might be gameplay. Boo. Yeah, no, no.
4: yeah. Um, I think it's, it might be like a more tactical RPG fighting style. Yeah. Yeah. Not Which I less. mean you can still oh, have so fun you'll with love that it. Once, you you'll system, love it. Yeah, once you learn the system. Yeah, once you learn the
1: system, it yeah,
4: it'll still be fun.
1: because uh, you did get excited when they showed like all like the stuff you can get from the hundred dollar um version of it with all like oh like, yeah, I, I'm a super merch. Yeah, exactly.
0: Yeah, I was like, ooh, art book. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so, useless. I want it. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah. I love
4: my traditional JRPG, so I got really hyped for uh Octopath Traveler 2, and then yeah. I saw the uh Tales- of symphonia like remaster because mm-hmm. i never played those i never played uh, the front mission so i was just like okay like <laughs> you have my yeah, I'm, I'm
2: keen for front mission that was cool <laughs> yeah and um yeah. i
4: i don't know if i'll ever get around to playing much of it but i thought that the golden eye reveal was very neat and like oh. for a lo- i loved that game back in the day but i know for like a lot of people like that's you know that's in their top five games of all time so they'll be willing and ready to play it at any moment so
1: that yeah. was yeah me- for sure I got a feeling though with GoldenEye too, because like I, I I instantly got excited when I saw that. Carrie can attest to that. And <laughs> mm-hmm. I was like, "Oh shit, GoldenEye's coming back!" Like the the, the real GoldenEye is coming back. And then and uh, and then um, I was thinking about it like today, and I was like, "How much nostalgia do I have in my head for that game? Like, I, is this game actually still good?" Well, no, some- it's,
4: no, it's still a tech. It, no, it's. I'm sure it's going to be very slow, but it's still technically yeah. a good game. It was always yeah. a good game. So I don't like it's not going to immediately be bad, but I'm right. sure that there's going to be a lot of quality of life stuff in there that is not fun. Like no, a few years ago, exactly. I replayed Kingdom Hearts 1, and I was just like, there's so many things that it's just like, I just want to go over there, and you're not. In the, <laughs> you're making me do eighty steps to go right there,
1: yeah. and it's very <laughs>
4: agitating. And, and no current era game would do that to you.
1: And I kind of had the opposite when it came to like the first person shooters, because I went from like Wolfenstein 3D and like Doom. To GoldenEye, and then didn't play any first-person shooters until like Overwatch, and then it's like, oh wow, oh, wow. this this genre is so awesome now. Like, <laughs> like compared, so I have a feeling going back to like those games, like I'm gonna probably, yeah, definitely feel the 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 age of those those games when I'm playing them. So we'll there's see. a
4: little thing out there called Halo that you may want to look <laughs> <Yeah>. into.
1: <laughs> that's true. That's true. I played a little bit of Halo, but I had I not really had played any uh, much of it either. Oh.
4: Okay. Back in the well, day I was addicted to Halo. <laughs> yeah.
0: That we used to have a, um a, a computer. We used to have a computer lab, like one of those ca- internet cafes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And um that's where I had a lot of dates was we would meet at the internet cafe and play Halo. That's pretty cool. So that's, that's cool. what I used to do. Yeah. But um question for you, what was the game that was the 2D that was like a spooky horror game and the girl went into the painting? Cuz that was oh. cool.
2: Uh, was that the the Duncon drop with people something. game? No, it was later. Yeah, I, I can't
0: remember. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. I don't no, it wasn't that, but it it looks really cool. The one the oh, R- Ibb, Ibb, Ibb. Ibb. oh, Ibb, Ib, Ib. Oh, Ib, that Ibb. one, the Undertale-esque yeah. one.
1: Yeah, yeah right. Yeah, cool. yeah, yeah. Oh
0: yeah. That looks really cool. I was excited for that one.
1: Yeah. That looks pretty cool. But then also um they're bringing Fatal Frame to for not the 3DS. So we'll see how that goes as well. So but yeah very cool thank you uh, very the one much. thing i
4: will say about uh zelda just yes. before we go, i was just like i since they were using so many like the breath of the wild assets i, I was hoping we we're gonna get a and we still might but get a weird game like Majora's fast but this looks like a more straightforward zelda game <laughs> it it does from the, it, from the little that we saw
1: it it, it definitely mm-hmm. does i mean like the first definitely the first um the first trailer that came out like, you know, a decade ago, so it feels like, um, with, with just Zelda and Link, um, tr- you know, in in the underground crypt, that definitely had a Majora's Mask feel to it. Like, because right. it, it was definitely dark and, and weird. And, um, but like, and like, and it definitely had kind of had like a Twilight Princess, like kind of feel to it as well. But this, yeah, this one. Um, but then, like the the last two trailers, definitely you feel it feels more like yeah, you're straightforward, kind of like you know, we all the game. So, which I mean, Breath of the Wild is still a, a masterpiece in my personal opinion, and so I'm happy to play it again in a different style. So, but but yeah, Absolutely. like I, a little 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 more weirdness, a little more darkness. It would it would be great, but but yeah, I'll I'll be happy. As long as you know once it comes out, I'm pretty sure it'll be you know, of guys are make it <laughs> yeah, Let me got something the I'm not getting my hopes up
3: See what happens.
1: But yeah. But are you- I,
3: I
2: I I just put the most recent episode of Hey Fam up and uh we went all all through the directs. We spent an hour
1: oh, laughing oh, cool. at me Miy- laughing at
2: Miyamoto. So if you want to hear more of
1: <laughs> that, <laughs> <an> <laughs> Well, that's actually a good way to, um, I guess, we're, you know, to kind of bring this episode to the end, um, you know, as in plugs, um, you know, I am a big fan of HeyFam and as well as PayFam, the uh, the Patreon exclusive hour that you, you guys give out every every week. Um, and um, I, I would have to say just really quick that if there is a podcast out there that can be described as chaotic neutral, it would be <laughs> HeyFam. And that's a very big compliment because you don't know what you're going to get. It's it, you know, but we don't know it's, what it's we're gonna, gonna, gonna record. <laughs> it's gonna be entertaining, yeah. so I love it. But yeah, so so uh, if you want to tell us a little more about HeyFam and also as well as uh, the fact that you are a uh, a huge TikTok fan or t- TikTok star rather now. That's slightly as, more interesting than being a TikTok fan. <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> Um, uh, yeah, so I have a, a weekly podcast called Hey Fan that I record with my friend, my longtime friend Angus Truskett. Every week we talk about video games and, and comic books and pop culture and movies and TV shows. But we also mostly just fuck around for for two hours every <laughs> week, and occasionally say those th- talk about those things within that fucking around of two hours or more. <laughs> um, so that comes out every week. It's on the Sands Pants Radio Network. Um, I have an indie game podcast. With my friend john valenzuela who i mentioned earlier in this episode that comes out quarterly um and we're going to do a um a big best of best indie games of 2022 episode at the end of this year which is always a highlight of my year um and you can find that on the sans pants radio network as well uh and then uh yeah as uh, as brian mentioned um Uh, the the biggest change in my life since I was last on this podcast was that uh, I I, I got COVID and I was bored in my office. So I started a TikTok account and uh, then my TikTok account exploded. And I I, I feel like the most watched and and viewed pieces of media I've made have all happened in the last few months on my TikTok, (laughs) Um, which is for someone that's been like, Writing books and and playing gigs and making mixes and making podcasts, uh pretty disheartening. <laughs>
3: but it is also very cool.
4: <laughs> take the shine where you can find it, my friend.
3: Yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's signs of the times. But yeah. All right. Well, <laughs> you can find
2: my TikTok and, and every all my social media is just at Levin's online.
1: Excellent. Thank you once again for for joining us. Yeah, definitely. Thank yeah, you. that
2: absolutely. was awesome, Levens.
1: And no, thank no worries. You, Thanks for having me back on. Thank you, everybody, for, for listening. If you're still here, thank you. <laughs> um, if you like the episode, tell Fred. Um, our our Instagram, Twitter, good pods, cdb pod um book club is on Fridays on Instagram. I will post the uh the book that we're gonna be talking about the next week. So if you want to read along or if you want to shoot us an email with your opinions, we'll we'll read them out on the uh, podcast as we have before. Um, the uh, our email address is better at gmail.com uh, website um, is com, which is grotesquely out of date but <laughs> you can go there if you want to um, and uh, that is actually where you can request a future show um, but besides that there's probably no other reason to go there right now um, Richard where can we find you?
4: Um, I'm at TopCat360 on pretty much all social media uh, football's back
3: and it's
1: amazing. <laughs> Very cool. And Carrie, do you have uh anything for us this week or? Um I No, I wasn't
0: so, uh, No.
3: Okay. I okay. Was, <laughs> yeah,
0: sorry. No worries. Um No problem. <laughs> I was trying to find like an anti-bullying one, but mm-hmm. I couldn't find I'm sure there are there are plenty but i can't find them for some reason so
1: uh um, for anyone who's listening for first time as well as as levin's um uh carrie doesn't have any social media so she's been doing um non uh that she she's recommended like you know each at the end of each episode yeah instead of having her uh her twitter or instagram I have enough, enough it.
3: oh yeah Heap,
2: heaps decent <laughs> with your music oh. music music outreach with uh kids in uh uh like uh regional australia
1: oh great okay, very cool. that's wonderful yeah. thank S- you dot
2: heapsdecent.com uh,
1: send me the link and i will put that on the notes as well i, I um, started
2: it in 2007 with diplo
0: oh sweet oh shut the fuck up yeah <laughs> are you serious you guys are bugs yeah. uh yeah and talked about
2: i thought you asked me that last time
0: i probably did because every time i'm in awe damn <laughs> uh, yeah we
1: yeah <laughs> But, um well um
0: and coming in and clutch. Thanks with the nonprofit to recommend. Yeah, I know.
2: Always always ready to self-plug.
0: <laughs> if, if
4: uh, Diplo performs at my job like at least twice a year. So if I ever be in conversation with him, I know something to bring up.
2: <laughs> oh, you got it yeah, yeah. He'll 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 tell you a bunch of <laughs> weird stories about Australia immediately. <laughs> Very cool. Well, I'm asking Ask budget. him about DJ Baby Dingo Shark.
1: DJ Baby.
4: Baby Dingo Shark. I will not forget that. <laughs>
1: That's awesome. Well, I'm at Brian underscore CV on Instagram. And for Richard, Carrie, and of course Levins, I'm Brian, and this has been the Comics Deserve Better Podcast. And remember, comics deserve better, and everyone deserves comics. Bye. Adios. Bye. Bye,
0: Bye
3: everyone. Thank you. Oh.